6. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. Oh, there you go. I mean, it's, it's a trade-off. Um, to take a couple minutes and self-examine myself, you know, who am I actually affecting? You know, who, who am I reaching out to? And so we're, we're going to kind of run through that. Um, this past week, I've been kind of going through the fact of, do I think that I'm in control or do I think that I'm out of control? Or is that even the right question? So it's funny, the things that we actually control compared to the things that we don't are very substantial. Um, really what I came up with is we only control three things. And surprisingly, they all have to do with ourselves. So the first thing that we can control is our actions. Let's go to James chapter 1. And our actions really involve how we treat people, how we interact with people, what we do. Okay, so keep that in mind. James 1, starting in verse 22. But prove yourself doers of the word, not merely hearers who delude themselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man... He is like a man who looks at his natural face in the mirror. For once he has looked at himself and gone away, he has immediately forgotten what kind of person he was. But one who looks intently at the perfect law, the law of liberty, and abides by it, not having become a forgetful hearer, but an effectual doer, this man will be blessed in what he does. Let's skip over to chapter 3. Chapter 3, verse 13. Who among you is wise and understanding? Let him show by his good behavior his deeds in the gentleness of wisdom. So these two verses are really, or these two passages, I should say, are really um, saying that words are a dime a dozen. I mean, you can say anything, but also you can do anything. Um, the very common phrase, actions speak louder than words. Now, that doesn't mean that words mean nothing, but that does mean that actions are twice as effective. Um, and also, I'm, I'm up here speaking words, so don't look into that too much. Uh, <laughs> so the, the people that actually do the bridge or run are the people that do it. It's not the people that say that they're going to do it. It's the people that actually do it. So the first is our actions. And we can affect our actions by what we do. The second is reactions. Let's go to Luke chapter 6.
Luke chapter 6, starting in verse 26. Woe to you when all men speak um, well of you. For their fathers used to treat the false prophets in the same way. But I say to you who hear, love your enemies and do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. Whoever hits you on the cheek, offer him the other also. And whoever takes away your coat, do not withhold your shirt from him either. Give to everyone who asks of you and whoever takes away what is yours. Do not demand it back. Treat others in the same way that you would want to treat them. Okay, the last verse, the golden rule. Everyone knows that one. Uh, treat, other, treat others the way you would want to be treated. But in the verses before, we should be focusing on that. That is, treat others better than you would want to be treated. So, reactions, purely mindset. It's purely based on where your mind is at in, in any situation. So, first is actions. Number two is reactions. Number three is attitude. Now, attitude and actions are pretty close, and, but they're all, they're all connected. So let, let's go to Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2, starting in verse 5. Have this attitude in yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, although he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself, taking a form of a bondservant and being made in the likeness of men. Being found in the appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. For this reason also, God highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name which is above every name, so that, every, so that at the name of Jesus every knee will bow of those who are in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and that every tongue will confess that Christ Jesus is Lord, to the glory in God the Father. <clears throat> so, our attitude should not be one of harshly judging other people's actions toward us. But it should be one that, you know, no one deserves grace. But everyone should be willing to give it. So, the three things that we can control in our life, number one is actions, the second one is reactions, and the third one is attitude. So instead of wasting our time with things that we can't obviously control... Let's put our focus into being in control of what we have power over, which is ourselves. So, John, tag your head. Man, there's no smooth way to do that transition there, but... All right, so when Kelton and I met yesterday morning to try to figure out how we're going to piece together this lesson, uh, there's no better way to describe that meeting than out of the scene from Dumb and Dumber. But <laughs> either way, we went back and forth, and then eventually Kelton's like, I'll talk about self-control. So then I was like, I'll go on the other end, and I'll talk about anger. So today I decided to title my lesson, which I so creatively labeled, 
uh, meandanger. Oh, we got some <laughs> format going here. So to start my research, I decided to go deep, figure out what people are angry about these days, just to see what's going on in the world. So one thing that I came across is vegans outraged over animal-themed Greek week. Yes, I'm sure a lot of us can empathize with this, especially Don Rogers. I see tears in his eyes right there. <laughs> Another thing I came across was trained dancers are completely appalled by this ballet ad for free people's clothing. And then in small print, this is genuinely offensive. And it should be. It is. How horrible. <laughs> Continuing on, knitters, out, or knitters outraged after Olympic committee squashes knitting Olympic and disses knitters. Liness, I'm sorry. I'm sorry for this. I'm sorry you had to undergo this pain. This one, a lot of us, I'm sure, are very familiar with. Recreational golf fishermen out, outraged over proposed red snapper quota carve out for charter operators. Not sure what that means, but it sounds terrible. <laughs> Another thing I came across is an incomplete list of things white people are mad about this week. <laughs> What's interesting is Slate.com created this thing called the Year of Outrage. And here you can just click on any given day of the year and figure out what people are angry tweeting about. So spent quite a bit of time on that page. But, so, but the point with this is that it's really easy and for people to get angry. It's really easy for us to get angry. And we see this all the time, and we see this every day. So growing up, we always hear that, well, there's bad anger, and then there's good anger. Bad anger, you should never have it. You need to get rid of this. Keep Get rid of it. But the good anger, this is righteous anger. This is godly anger. And this is stuff that we never should let go. This is stuff we need to hold on to and stand firm with. So yeah, that sounds fine. That sounds great. But one thing that we never really figure out is... How does forgiveness fit into this equation? We come to know that forgiveness and anger are really mutually exclusive, and you can't have one while holding on to the other. So I think the first thing that we should ask ourselves, and this comes from a quote from an author of the book, Unoffendable, and he goes into this topic into great detail. So if this is something that interests you, definitely check it out. But he says, and I think this is the first thing we should ask ourselves, is why would I want to live the rest of my life in a perpetual shock at human behavior. I mean, this doesn't justify humans and their actions, but humans have always been this way. Humans have always come across things that made them angry. Humans have done terrible things. So why do we let these come as surprises, as shocks in our life? The second thing that I think we should question is our confidence in ourselves. Why are we so confident in ourselves? Uh, there's a good Proverbs in 1817 which says, in a lawsuit, the first to speak seems right until someone comes forward and cross-examines. So Solomon here paints a really good picture of a court case and showing how those who state their opinions first always seem right. And I, get, I got to thinking about this internally. How do we, who's the first to come, who's the first voice we hear in our heads? And it's our own. So I think it's really good for us to you know, cross-examine a lot of things and to really look at things from both perspectives. And I think the third and most important thing to question is, does being angry help accomplish God's plan? Does our anger help fight God's injustices? And I get it. Anger is a natural emotion, and you know, it's really helpful in fight-or-flight responses. You see a lion chasing a zebra. Zebra's not happy about it. It's going to run. But 30 seconds later, you know, it's over. Zebra forgets about it. It's not going to live holding on to that pain of lions there. But 
The good thing about anger, and I think one of the reasons why God has created it as an emotion in which we experience, is that it can actually help us take action towards injustices. We see that. However, it's foolish to say that anger helps us make better decisions. I mean, when I'm in Hulk mode, it's not like, oh, I think I'll go invest in this stock in securities and sell some of the market. It's a really good time of year to do that. No, I'm not making clear thoughts when I'm in my right, wrong state of mind. I think a really good uh, place we can see this in the Bible is in, in Acts 17. So if we go ahead and turn there. And this is when Paul goes to visit Athens. So I'll go ahead and read verses 16 through 17, what it says. While Paul was waiting for them in Athens, he was greatly distressed to see that the city was full of idols. So he reasoned in the synagogue with, synagogue with both Jews and God-fearing Greeks, as well in the marketplace day by day with those who happened to be there. So here we see that Paul comes across something that he is not too happy with. He's not too pleased with. It describes that he is filled with emotions, which we could probably see was synonymous with a feeling of anger towards how these people were living. However, he didn't let this anger lead him into brimstone against these people. He didn't his emotions led him to action for these people. And these actions were centered around a clear head. It wasn't focused on his emotions there. So I think it is really foolish for us to say that our anger is something that helps us make better decisions. It's something that can lead us into action, but it's not something that we need to concentrate on. So that leads me to my next point, which is we can't let our anger substitute for action. There's actually a study from the University of British Columbia on the topic of social media activism, and it found that people who click, share, subscribe to posts that they are upset about are actually less likely to do something about that. And I think why is that they postulate that it's because that the feeling of anger that they hold inside them like fulfills the need of doing something. They're like, oh, I got angry about it. I did it. Mission complete. But here we can see that anger is really a selfish emotion, and Essentially, it's used to just help us make us feel better, as in we're in the right. And it, feels us, it fools us into thinking that we've done something, when in fact, just the opposite something is needed to be done. So, I went through and I looked up some examples of, you know, men in the Bible performing, or who have given in to anger, and some of them, the first one I came across was one of the most obvious ones, Cain. So in Genesis 4, 5 through 8, it says, let's see. And Abel also brought an offering, fat portions from some firstborns of his flock. The Lord looked with favor on Abel and his offerings, but on Cain and his offering he did not look with favor. So Cain was very angry, and his face was downcast. Then the Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry? Why is your face downcast? If you do what is right, will you not be accepted? But if you do what is not right, sin is encroaching you at your door. It desires to have you, but you must not rule over it. Now Cain said to his brother Abel, let's go out to the field. While they were in the field, Cain attacked his brother Abel and killed him. So there you see the response that anger has filled one of the first people here on the planet. It was just not a good emotion to be overcome by and to subside into. Uh, the second one that we learn of is, uh, I saw, was in Numbers 20. And this was when Moses draws water from the rock. Let's see. So Moses took the staff from the Lord's presence, just as he commanded. He and Aaron gathered the assembly together in front of the rock, and Moses said to them, Listen, you rebels, we must bring you water out of this rock. And Moses raised his arm and struck the rock twice with his staff. 
Water gushed out in the community and their livestock drank. But the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, because you did not trust me enough to honor me as holy in the sight of Israelites, you will not bring this community into the land I give them. So these are the influences of what anger produces. And as we can see, it's not very admirable. Anger pollutes the mind and, you know, causes us to give in to irrationality. And one thing that we can easily come across is that righteous anger isn't in the Bible. Only God's anger is righteous. Uh, we see, you know, everyone's like, oh, Jesus in the temple, he was, he was throwing tables, he was getting angry. But we're not designed, we're not equipped to handle our anger in the same way that God is. And we see here in James 20 that human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. So there's nothing righteous that God wants from us in our anger. He doesn't want it, and we're not equipped to handle it in the same way that God can. So why do we try? And there was one more article that I came across, and I was really intrigued by, but why are Christians so angry? And there in small print it says, Christians are a pretty mean bunch. Anger is in our human nature. You know, like I said, it was fight or flight. It's how we're genetically designed. But if we justified everything a part of our nature, what would make us holy? There's not two types of anger. There's no good anger. There's no bad anger. There's only one anger, and that's human anger. And that is something that does not produce righteousness. I once went to this church in Oklahoma, and the preacher said a prayer at the end, and he asked God to give us all the anger that he wants us to have for his causes. And that was something I couldn't really get on board with. Uh, we should be like the early church, and instead of praying for anger, we should pray for boldness and strength, because these traits are so much more admirable. All right. If you guys have any needs of the church, uh, we'll go ahead and stand and sing for this last song, and there will be elders in the back ready to pray with you. So let's go ahead, Cody. Apologize for not being able to sing that last song. Uh, <laughs> I don't often get choked up or show emotion, really. That is a beautiful song. <laughs> um, <clears throat> Faithful love flowing down from the thorn-covered crown Makes me whole, saves my soul Washes whiter than snow Faithful love calms each fear Reaches down, dries each tear Holds my hand when I can Stand on my own Faithful love From came to earth to show the Father's love, and on be the same, for I've seen faithful love face to face. And Jesus is his name. Faithful love is a friend just when hope seems to end. 
Welcome, faith, sweet embrace, tender touch, filled with grace, faithful love, endless power, living flame, spirit's fire, burning bright in the night, guiding my way. Faithful love from above came to earth to show the Father's love and honor be the same for Faithful love face to face And Jesus is His name And now have our closing prayer. Let's pray. 